0: Hello, hello. How are you guys doing? Good. What up, Emmaus? <laughs> <laughs> I always wanted to kind of do this, but I'm not Emmaus, so now I get to do it. Uh, I really claim that prayer of Eunice for healing. Um, as you can tell, I s- sound nasally. I apologize <laughs> in advance. In but it's really good to be here tonight, especially because I know you guys just came back from the retreat. And I heard it was the bomb yeah how was who who was at the retreat wow okay all right yeah so uh, you know i really heard so many amazing testimonies from scandalous (laughs) love. you know pastor marcus at itaewon told us to do that during our prayer sunday swim time and then my husband john michael turns and he's like i'm only gonna say that to my wife it's too scandalous (laughs) Well anyways, scandalous love. And I heard amazing stories. And my prayer is that tonight, what I have uh, to share with you will just uh, build up upon those testimonies that you guys experienced at the retreat already. And that it will take you to a new level of intimacy with the Lord. So with that said, let me say a prayer for us real quickly. Um, God, we thank you so much, God, for your love and how you have shown us um, Jesus, your true love for us, God. And through the word that I'm about to share today, I just pray, Lord, that you will open uh, their hearts even more and go deeper and deeper into just the intimacy that they were able to experience with you at the retreat. That you will only uh, make that uh, grow and to, um, yeah, just go deeper into your knowledge of who you really are, God. So we pray blessing over this word, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Sorry. <clears throat> so, to tell you a little bit about myself, my name is Sky Becker. Yes, I know I look Korean, but I have a cool white name because I, I married a cool white guy. Um <laughs> So I actually converted from the common Kim to a Becker when I married uh, my husband John Michael, and uh, I work as a full-time missionary here in Seoul as a for a mission uh, for a ministry called Orphan Jerusalem Ministry. That's our ministry. Right? <laughs> yeah, Jerusalem Ministry. It's an orphanage ministry, uh, serving the orphans in Seoul. And what we do is we hold many camps, and we also train volunteers to go into different homes. Homes meaning children's home, which is orphanage, but we all actually use the word home because it's not. Uh, there's not that many real orphans who don't have any parents or relatives, so we just you know call them ch- like children's home because we just care for the children. So uh, we don't have a home ourselves, but we just uh, train volunteers to go in and to work with the kids that are at these homes that are already established in Seoul, and we also have. Um, Soccer camps, arts and crafts camps. I think many of you guys, you know, yay, 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 five of you. <laughs> yeah, many of you guys, uh, many of you guys, uh, you know, volunteered with our camps. And I know, you know, it was a great experience. And, you know, we hope to see more of you guys uh, at the um, coming camps. So that's what I do. And I'm in charge of media for our ministry. So I do logos, brochures, websites, and all the artsy, you know, artsy, junky things. So that's me. And I also become a crazy soccer mom at our soccer camps (laughs) because that's what we do, to show love and to support these kids and to really speak life over them because a lot of these orphans, they're least loved and most broken from their past and the way they were abandoned and whatnot. So I really learned how to love through these orphans. And, um, yeah, so that's what we do. That's what I do. Um, and also at New Philly, we're serving as, uh, what are we serving as healing and deliverance pastors and also community pastors. So community pastor, we go and reach out to newcomers and healing and deliverance. We go reach out and go get them healed and delivered. Um, that's what we do. So for today's message, I was asking God, what can I share with these people? And um, especially because you guys are at such an age where I was, uh, my life was dramatically changed when I was in college. And I met the Lord when I was a freshman year in college, and I just grew continuously from that point on. And I just want to tell you before anything that whatever you experienced, there is really no need to worry or fear about any of that uh, being taken away. We're going the other way because oh, it's only going to go upwards. And it's only going to get built up from here on now, here and on. And your relationship with the Lord is only the beginning of a crazy, amazing ride that he has for you guys. So, you know, I just kind of felt this, uh, I guess, uh, instant connection to you guys because that was, you know, that, that was a special year. That was a special time of my life uh, during college years. Like Eunice said, that um, I went to Virginia Tech. I don't know if you guys know where Virginia Tech is. It's the college that's really well-known for the shooting incident. Uh, I I hate to (laughs) explain it that way, but, you know, when people are like, oh, the shooting school, that's Virginia Tech. But I went there because I studied architecture, and they have a good architecture program. I'm very proud to say that. Uh, But that's when I met the Lord, because... um, well, I'm going to share a little bit about how, how I met the Lord, but basically, I need to go back to where I was talking about. Why, what can I share with these students? So I'm going back to that. And basically, God led me to just look back into my time of my life in college years. So I actually went back and looked at my old journal entries from college, and it was very weird, very awkward, a lot of foolishness, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of... I guess, um, foolishness, but at the same time, so much touch and so much finger of God all over my life. And even before I met the Lord, even when I was growing up, I grew up, you know, in a broken home, and many times, um, you know, I didn't meet the Lord until I was 18 or 19, but, you know, even growing up, I could see the fingerprints of God in my life, even without me knowing who the Lord is. Um, So I, I went back and read my journals, And my first entry was on October second, two 2004, which is when I got saved, in my college fellowship. And ours was called CCF. I don't know what signs we have, but (laughs) it's not MAS, but it was CCF. Yeah, I think we did the CCF, uh, Cornerstone Christian Fellowship. And John Michael and I actually had a privilege to go back to that campus uh, in March, Right? It's only March. (laughs) And March and speak there and to minister to the students. So we had a trip back home for about a month. And we got to go back to the very place I was saved and where we met. And he discipled me and he led me to Christ. And, uh, And we were able to go back and share the testimony and really release the same testimony upon the college students there. So I'm really excited to be here. And, um, hmm. And I I could see that when I was reading through my journals that I was ever since I met the Lord in college, first uh, freshman year in college, that my walk with the Lord and my growth in the Lord was consistent until now, uh, until who you know how I became who I am now, because you know I'm here serving the orphans, doing God's ministry, and I never thought I would be here, but God has taken me through the through a journey where I was able to consistently grow. Uh, starting from when I met the Lord. So, you know, I just prophesy that over all of you guys, that it's going to be good. It's going to be like this. And, you know, at times I grew faster, and at times I grew even, you know, a little slower. But nevertheless, God just took me from, you know, a place of glory to glory, little by little. Amen? Yeah. So I saw, I found that one of the biggest struggles I had in college was, what do you think it was? Boys, Boys. Boys. (laughs) yes. (laughs) Eunice knows, (laughs) and John Michael knows too. uh, (laughs) He actually knew all of my ex-boyfriends. I mean, I only had two, but he led me through the whole healing process and counseled me through all of them. So, yeah, my biggest thing was boys, and uh, I had a lot of boy dramas and also family dramas growing up. Because I, you know, like I mentioned already, I grew up in a broken home, but my parents divorced when I was 13, and then my mom got remarried right away, and I grew up with my stepdad and my step-siblings, and when I, by the time I was in college, I, was, I became a Christian, but nobody else in my family was Christian, So even being a Christian at home was a hard thing in itself. And then having just all these fights nonstop and, you know, siblings, my siblings causing trouble, going in and out out of jail, things like that. Like, I just had a lot of dramas in my life. And it was so clear when I was looking through the journals how um, every time I would fall, God helped me to come back up, come back up. Every single time. And I was trying to see, okay, God, what was the key to for me to come back up? Because we go through a lot of stuff. We could go through a lot of traumas, right? And this boy, I, oh. <laughs> there's, you know, there was like two very dedicated, like heart poured out kind of relationship or romantic interest in my life that I thought it was going to be like my marriage in the future. And so I know when I look at it now, it sounds silly, but I know at the time it was not silly at all. You know, that was my life, that was my love, and, you know, I thought I would end up marrying this guy, and so much, like, I guess, uh, stress, and so much, like, sadness, and so much things that I had to go through, but the thing that God uh, allowed me to come back up, and come back up, and come back up, was having confidence in his love. So, today, my message is, the title is Confidence in Love, okay? Okay? I wasn't trying to match this uh, love theme that's going on with the scandalous love and uh, things like that. But I just, you know, God just made it really kind of orchestrated for me to talk about this because this was something that was on my heart, kind of brewing, thinking about, okay, what's God's, you know, what does God's love look like? What does it mean to be loved by Him? You know, sometimes because it can mean kind of vague. You know, I know He loves me, He died for me on the cross, but what does it really mean? So it was something, as I was seeking to love my, you know, children or, you know, people around me better, you know, it was just natural for me to seek what it means to love good, like love in the right way. So I I realized that in order for us to love other people, best thing is to understand the way you're loved. Does that make sense? Because you can't give away what you don't have. So if you don't understand what love is, it's kind of hard for you to give away what you don't even know what it is, right? So for uh, our volunteers in Jerusalem ministry, we always give this analogy of having a cup in our, in our tank or in our heart, and we call it the love, love tank. And every time we, you know, we get fed by God's love, we get filled and filled and filled. And you know, Some people have a little bit, some people have a lot, but uh, as we pour out, pour out our love onto other people, you know, it gets poured out. So you don't always have it full, but what you have to do is you have to be filled again, right? So you have to be refilled by God through Word, through reading the Word, through praying to Him, through getting to know Him. You have to understand love of God first in order for you to love, you know, give the love away, right? I'm going to drink some. Filling up my love. <laughs> Filling up my water. Yeah, so I'm going to talk about Ways in which uh, we can stay confident in the love and in the love of God. And um, first one is to, if you're taking notes, number one of uh, how, there are three ways in how to stay confident in God's love. And the first one is to know Him personally. Okay, to know Him personally. So. I was like, Lord, I pray healing for my, <laughs> it's quite embarrassing to, uh, <laughs> to wipe away your snot in front of like 40 people, <laughs> but anyway, um, to know him personally, what does that mean? So that means not just to know Jesus and know God as who everybody else says he is, okay? Because think of him like a person. Uh, I'm going to give you an example. You know, like with your best friend, you know exactly what your friend is like and the way you can communicate with her and him and the way you can connect better and what she likes, what he likes, right? With your best friend. And for for instance, my best friend, Semi, who goes to Hillside, and I tend to mention her every time I preach, so she should feel really special about it. <laughs> but she, you know, I've known her since ninth grade. And, but when I first met her, I did not like her. Because <laughs> uh, the way I met her was through our mutual friend named Jenny. And, you know, Semi grew up in New York. And she was born and raised in New York, so her humor was different, her morals were different. I thought she was really whack, she was really weird. And my friend Jenny's like, hey, there's this cool girl. So why don't you go meet her and be friends with her? But by how much ever she would tell me how good she is, or how cute she is, or how funny she is, it did not matter to me because I didn't know her personally, right? Without me getting to know her, hey, Semi is like this kind of person, or she's kind of, you know, she has this kind of, you know, strengths, weaknesses. Like without that, I would have never been best friends with her or even friends with her, just by hearing what she's like, right? So it's the same way with God, and it's the same way with Jesus. And many people stay exactly where, where they were with the knowledge of Jesus uh, from when they first met him, and they don't move on, or they don't pro- uh, progress uh, with their relationship with God if you just stay at where you are. So you have to be intentional in the way you want to get to know who Jesus is, just like you want to get to know your... You know, uh, spark or your—I don't know what is it called when you are interest when you have your crush. There you go. <laughs> See, you don't use these kind of vocab. You can tell I'm a little old now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't use this kind of vocab once I get married. So <laughs> I totally forgot. But you know, like your crush. You know, imagine like David. You saw a girl in the distance. Like, on the campus of, I don't know, I don't know, Yonsei or Torch. Torch. Torch is better than Yonsei. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, Torch, and you saw this beautiful girl, and it was like everything stopped, and there's, like, background music, and there's, like, whispering, you know, in your ears, and you go, I'm going to love her for the rest of my life, right? Right? But imagine you go home, and you never get to talk to her ever again. Right, and you never exchanged a number with her. You never got to say hello. You know, you never got to get to know her. Imagine how long that crush would last. I think it would only last maybe a few weeks, maybe a few months. You know, for the longest. But I doubt it could go any longer than that. I mean, tell me about somebody who's had just a crush on somebody that they never talked to, never got to know better than just a beautiful face, but you know, liked the person for like ten years. I don't think that would, you know, happen, right? So you can't love Jesus for the rest of your life banking on the first love at first sight experience with him, okay? You got to find out what he likes, whether he likes chocolate chip ice, you know, chocolate chip mint ice cream, or cookies and cream, you know, whether he has a sarcastic humor or a dry humor. Which I doubt he has a sarcastic humor because he's too nice, you know, he's too kind. But I believe he has a dry humor because I have a dry humor and we get to laugh about things together, right? <laughs> so the reason why I'm sharing all these things is because I want you to think of Jesus at a personal level. You know, you got to know him as your friend. You know, we always sing it at Sunday sw- Sunday sw- Sunday Bible study or as what is it? Sunday school. Sunday school. I, didn't, I never went to Sunday school, so I don't even know what it's called. <laughs> I, I was saved in college, so I don't know. But we always sing about it, like, Jesus loves me, yes, I know. He's my best friend, but do you really know him as your best friend? Do you, you know, pay attention to, or do you make it intentional to get to know him? That's my question. You know, because for me, the way I met Jesus was a little unique. And I think it helped me to do what I'm t- telling you right now about about knowing him in a, on a personal level, because I actually grew up in, in my you know with my mom's side being really heavy Catholics and I my high school best friend's dad was actually a pastor, so I grew up in you know this kind of environment where my mom never pushed me with a religion or with a relationship with God because she hated it herself when whenever my grandpa would you know, force her to go to church, you know, do the mass and things like that. And my best friend's dad, even though he was a pastor, you know, only thing he told me about God was actually, hey, you don't go to church, you're going to go to hell. That was the only thing I heard from him. So I never got a, like a good explanation of why I should love Jesus. So I was like, I don't know, I don't care about loving Jesus because I don't see any benefit of loving him other than not going to hell, which I don't believe it exists. So what's the loss, right? But um, but then one day, I I don't know if you guys know this movie, but it was by the end of my high school years in 2004. Wow. <laughs> there was a movie that came out by, di- by directed by Mel Gibson called Passion of Christ. Dun, dun, dun. Do you got, how many of you know what movie I'm talking about? Oh. Yes, I'm not that old. (laughs) Yeah, Passion of Christ, Uh, you know. I thought it's going to be like any other kind of Jesus' crucifixion movie. And I went to go watch it with my ex-boyfriend at the time uh, on a date. What a movie to watch on a date, right? (laughs) (gasps) But I went to go watch it because everybody else was watching it. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's so weird. We do that sometimes, though. Like, we want to, like, stir up the heart for justice, so we'll be watching, like, Movies like Stunned Up Millionaire on our <laughs> date, and we'd be crying. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't uh, recommend doing that. <laughs> but we went to go watch it just because it was the thing to do then. You know, like, a movie comes out, and everybody goes to watch it. Whether it's about Jesus or Buddha or whoever, because it was the thing to do, I just went to go watch it. And it was interesting because... Um, As I was sitting there watching, the movie was okay. It starts off by right when Jesus is captured and he's taken to get crucified. And then as I was watching it, my former image and understanding of God was always, he's this scary, very far away, he's a judge, and he's going to just make you go to hell or heaven, and that's it. So as I was watching it, I'm just like trying to see, okay, what is this about? What is this Jesus about? So funny thing is, um, actually, God did something so significant through that movie to me because I'm a very visual person. I studied design. I studied architecture. So whatever visual, like, makes a really big impact on my life. So it came to this scene where Jesus, uh, you know, is a full-grown man, and he's working as a carpenter. If you didn't know, he was a carpenter. So he was making this table. And his mother, Mary, comes to him, and she's, you know, asking about the t- him about the table. Like, oh, what is this table, blah, blah, blah. But the way he was interacting with his mother actually stuck with me the most out of the whole movie. Because I thought, oh, Jesus. I thought Jesus was someone that doesn't even talk. Like, like you go to hell, you go to heaven. I imagined him to be this robotic, this mechanical, you know, like I'm this almighty God that you can't even touch me kind of person. But I saw the way he was just playing with Mary. And I'm like, wow, if this is Jesus, I want to kind of know him. Right? So I actually want to share that clip with you right now.
1: <laughs> Hi. Well,
0: I'm not you i
1: i Hey, la, la, la Here they follow that Miss Taner The trampin ul. all What's all That's good I guess we'll just watch the
0: movie Jesus was hungry. He also had to wash his hands before he went to go eat. And the way he kissed his mom and just gave her a hug, um, I think I was more touched and felt like crying more than when I was watching him being nailed on the cross because I knew of that all the time. I knew of him dying on the cross for me all the time. But this was something new. Jesus playing around with his mom and being so personal being so real being so um, like us you know it made it made me just rethink who this Jesus is so when i went to college i actually went to the fellowship myself i you know voluntarily went unlike some of some of you guys <laughs> who were dragged here <laughs> but i voluntarily went because i'm like okay you know prove me wrong that God is not good, you know? So I kind of went in with this mindset. Uh, It's kind of dumb to say I don't believe in something that I don't even know what it is. So I got myself a Bible and started reading and seeing, you know, trying to see who this Jesus really is. So when I went to the fellowship, um, John Michael was actually the, we call it the home group. It's like, you guys have familiar, but we have home group, which was for the entire class. So he took care of with along with three other uh, leaders, like I don't know how many were but our our fellowship was tiny because there weren't there weren't that many christians or asian Christ, asian Christians at our school so our sc- i think our fellowship only had like twenty five twenty five people in the home group, yeah, and I was one of them, and so was semi, and we're like these two little I don't know if you know Sammy, but she's just as little as me. we like these two little people that were running around in his home group asking a whole bunch of questions and, uh, you know, just wanting to know God. And we, Sammy and I actually got saved around the same time. And that's actually, you know, also really amazing too. So, you know, I think that's why it was so easy for me to, or it was easier for me to understand this concept of knowing him personally. Um where am I <laughs> so how do you know how do you get to know Jesus personally? How do you get to know Jesus personally? anybody Pray. Good job, David <laughs> Good job and what else? what else? Read the Bible yeah, that's really good. you know I'll be honest when I first. Got to know Jesus. It was the hardest thing for me to read the Bible. Who can agree? I I didn't know what it was talking about. It was—it sounded like like uh, riddles, and I'm like, is this even English? Because I don't understand what it's saying. You know, I didn't read King James version, but still, it just was so hard for me to grasp what this Bible was saying, and it was hard for me to see uh, who God is in the Bible until I got to be in a Bible study group, which also was led by John Michael.
1: <laughs> so he was my home
0: group leader and a Bible study leader. But, you know, our, our relationship dynamic was really different then. Uh, we were a friend, we, He was my mentor slash discipler for a long time. And then we just got to, um, I guess, see each other at a maturity level that was kind of equal when I came out to Korea like seven years later. So, you know, we had this mutual friendship of just um, him being actually my like spiritual father Kind of like how Spirit Pastor Christian is to you guys. So, you know, that's how I got to know Christ and learn about him. But something I found easier to do more than uh, reading the Bible when I first met Jesus was just talking to him. And I, it wasn't this, like, profound, like, you know, like, ah, oh, you know, like very uh, fancy uh, prayers. But it was more like talking to a girlfriend. So I would just... And I I typed up my prayers a lot, too, because being in studio all the time, I don't know if you guys know this about architects, but their home is first in studio, and then they go home. And the hours that you stay at the home is actually shorter than (laughs) the hours you stay at the studio. So I'll be in the studio all the time doing projects, and there was not much time for me to, like, actually find a space or, you know, like a time that I could pray out loud to God. So sometimes I would drive up, I'd just be in my car, park my car, and just talk in the car, looking at, you know, with the sunroof open, just like, oh, God, today was a hard day, blah, 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 right? But I found myself sometimes when I couldn't do that, and it was kind of like here, and I needed to get it out, I would type it up. I typed up my prayers, and it would be like this long email, I mean, long long word document of mumble-jumble. It was literally just like, you know, ramble. But I can see that when I uh, went back and read all those things, I could see that that was so genuine and that was so personal, even more than some of the prayers I pray now because there's no, like, fancied upness to it. There's no, like, sugar up, you know, like, sugar talk. Or (laughs) keep looking at David on. I don't know why. (laughs) But there was nothing added to it that was artificial, but I could just come to Jesus the way I was feeling, the way you know, I was struggling, the way I was you know, crying because of the boy or because of my mom or dad. I just laid it out in front of him just the way it was. And you know, Jesus is totally fine with that. He's totally okay with that because that's why he is here for you. He doesn't want all of us to come to him in this perfect form and perfect condition, saying the perfect prayer. That's not what Jesus wants from all of you guys. You know, that's why he comes first and touches you first, because you're lovable just the way you are right now. You know, he doesn't wait for you until you become lovable and starts to love on you. Just as he touched you at the, you know, scandalous love retreat, he he comes to you first. And when he comes to you and you grab his hands, he never lets go of that. So I want us to tar- turn to Psalm 77. Actually, that's the today's scripture I want to share with you guys. If you are there, I'm going to read the odd verses. And you can read the even verses. And as you, as we read this uh, psalm, I want to point out that psalms, a lot of psalms were, you know, song, psalms are songs, but a lot of the psalms kind of sounded sometimes like my ramble. Because, you know, the psalmist, whoever wrote it would kind of start off with, God, I owe to me, you know, I'm struggling, you know, like, where are you? Like, he would be very, like, straightforward with the lord like god are you even do you even care about me you know i'm going through all these struggles you know i'm so sad my eyes are going to fall out like very depressing sometimes right but the psalmist would start off by that but you can notice the change as the psalm goes on so i want you to uh, focus and pay attention to how his prayer shifts how his emotions shifts as he um you know writes this song So, verse 1, I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Uh, Wait. Yes, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. Your way was through the sea. Your path through the greatest great waters. Yet your footprints were unseen. Hmm. So can you notice the change of his prayer during this uh, song? He goes from, God, you know, I can't bear what I'm going through. Are you here? Did you forget about me? How can you leave me? Did you forget the promise? But then he goes uh, on to saying, saying, then I said, I will appeal to this, to the ears of the right hand of the Most High. That means, uh, in easier English, it means, I'm going to remember, I'm going to go back to the ears of the... Right hand of the Most High. So the, the the times that God was there with him, He's going to go back, and He's going to cling onto those times, right? And I want to point out that the way He was coming to him all raw, like, you know, this is what I'm going through, like just like I said, I used to do that, you know, in college, the way I would, you know, just talk to him like he's my girlfriend. He it could only be done because the psalmist thought of him on a personal, well, knew him on a personal level, right? The psalmist would never go to, like, a stranger and be like, "Have you, did you? how can you do this to me? Did you forget about my promise? You know, our, our promise? We can't do that to someone we don't know, right? But the psalmist is able to say these things to the Lord because he knew and uh, had that personal relationship with God. And, um, and this is where my point number two comes from. When you look at the verses um, 10 through... 15, it talks about, then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. That's the key words. Those are the key words. So number two, point number two uh, to how to stay confident in the Lord's love for you is to remember his love. Remember his love. So what was the first one, first point? Know him personally, know him personally right? And the number two is to remember his love. So the psalmist remembered his wonders of old and what God has done for him and his people in the past. And the love that God has already shown to him before now becomes a sign and a proof of God's love for him, which will stay the same and is promised for the future because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right? Do you guys know that character of God, that God and Jesus is there the same yesterday, today, and forever? So when you remember the good deeds of God from yesterday, that means it's the proof of God being good to you today and tomorrow, right? So that's why there is a power in remembering what he has done for your life. Because you're saying, God, this is your character. This is your testimony in my life. And this is only a a a stepping stone for me for another testimony, for another breakthrough, for another way that you will show me that you love me. So I have a crazy testimony with my family. I mentioned before that how you know how it was so hard for me to grow up and go through all the you know cra- crazy family dramas and whatnot, and they were all non-believers. So I was praying in 2008. I was praying for all my family members uh, in my bedroom, and there were like so many of them: my mom, my stepdad, and my my. So my real. I guess family, my blood-related family is. I have uh, one younger brother who is nine years younger than me, so he's actually a freshman in college right now. So he's your age. (laughs) But I have one younger brother, and I have uh, my parents. But after they separated, my mom got remarried, and I have uh, my stepdad, and then I had my two uh, stepbrothers and one stepsister. So my family just blew up after my parents got divorced and my mom got remarried. But So I was praying for every single one of them for their salvation in my bedroom, and I just felt so overwhelmed. Man, God, it's even hard just to mention all their names. It takes so long because it was, you know, Esther, Richard, Stephen, blah, blah, blah. And then I would just go on, and I'm like, God, is this even possible? Like, what's it going to do when I just pray for all seven, eight of them by myself in my bedroom? Is it going to do anything? So I just, you know, remember being so, I guess, uh, hopeless. And I brought it to the Lord, and God led me to, even in the midst of that kind of crazy emotional stage, he led me to read the, the day's Bible passage. So I, I felt God saying, do your QT. I'm like, man, <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm saying it's hard for me to pray. when You're telling me to do my QT. So I went, you know, grabbed my Bible, and I read through, you know, the, the day's worth of QT, and it was in Jack- Zechariah uh, 8, and it's ta- it talks about how God is assuring the Israelites that he's going to save his people from the east and to the west and from the west, and that we of little faith, he rebukes me, actually, and he goes, you have little faith, you think this is impossible for me, Lord Almighty? I'm surely going to save your people from the east and the west, And you, you know, and among you, there will be seeds that are planted of peace and prosperity. And I'm going to be the one to rain down from the heavens, from the sky, the rain, so that these seeds in your life can grow. So basically, it was a promise that God has given to me of my family members' salvations. And from that day on, that's why my name is Sky. Because God clearly told me, now I'm going to make you, I'm going to rescue you and make you the symbol and source of blessing for your family. So that's where I got my name, Sky, and then Sky Becker. So it's like a totally different name from what I used to be known as. Eunice knows me as Chie Kim, which is my Korean-Korean name. Uh, it's also a beautiful name, but my name, so every time people would call me, it took me a little bit to get used to it because... They'd be like, "Hey, Sky," and I'm like, <laughs> "Like, hey, they're calling you." So I had to get used to it. But every time people would call me that, it was a reminder of God's promise. Hey, do you remember that God said He's gonna save your family through you through your prayers? So my, you know, my name Sky means to rain down blessing, and ever since that year 2008, um, I just prayed. And because I was physically separated from my brother and my dad. I couldn't do anything but pray for them. I couldn't go and be like, hey, Jesus loves you, and he's this kind of person, and preach to them, you know, all I know. Only thing I could do was just pray, pray, pray. And then um, I think 2010 or 11, uh, it was actually right before we met and we got married, I found out that my dad actually, when my parents got divorced, my biological dad was taken away by the cops for abusing my mom. And that's, that was my last memory of him. And afterwards, we, I kept in touch with him. You know, I got to, you know, just hang out with him and whatnot. But it was two years after my dad was taken away that I was able to see him. So that's, like, memory that I have of my dad. But when I, you know, and I, I met him, like, you know, a couple of times a year and whatnot. But just one day, just one random day, he's, like, talking about God. And he's like, do you know that I am son of God. And At first, I thought he was in a cult because I'm like, "Oh my gosh, what's going on? Why, why is he talking about Jesus and God and Savior? Like, what's going on? What happened to him?" So I was like, I was kind of prying into him, like, "God, that, uh, what, what God are you talking about? You know, what kind of, what kind of, like, what, what's your theology?" Like, and then I come to find out that he got saved. You know, he actually went to church because he felt convicted that somebody pointed out. Hey, your daughter's been praying for you so long. How, why don't you just give it a try and go to church? So my dad went to church because of that person that he happened to actually live with in the same house. And then they went to church, and he, the the pastor was doing an altar call. And my dad just got up and gave his life to the Lord. It was that easy. <laughs> and now whenever we, you talk to him, my dad it's like, you would never think he had such a past. You would never think he had a past of beating his wife. You would never think he was once so depressed and so down that I feared being around him. He's so filled with joy. He's so in love with the Lord that his life is just 180. And he will not stop talking about the Lord. And sometimes I tell him to stop because it's too much. I'm like, can we talk about something else? I know God is good and you love God, but hey, how is your life? You know, but my dad is totally different person. And um, and also my brother, uh, you know, he has his own testimony and pastor and whatnot. But he went through his, because he was separated from his sister and his mom when he was four. He was only four, and my dad always worked, so he was always alone in his, you know, house. And he said so many times he just felt so alone that he was, you know, so depressed at such young age and went through so many, so much. I guess, um, I guess even suicidal thoughts sometimes. But God has met him in his bedroom, and he felt so alone. That's when God came to him and said, you're not alone. I am with you. And he dedicated his life to the Lord. And he's actually coming out this summer to work with North Korean refugees. And he has a huge heart for Korea and for doing orphanage ministry and things like that. And God's just taking care of my family. And there was nothing I could do, you know? So... And then my mom is not saved yet. Don't get too excited. <laughs> She's not saved yet. But why am I t- telling you all this? Because I know the same God that saved my brother and my dad will save my mom. It's just given. I'm not even like, whoa, like, please. I just, I just declare the truth God, you are the God that saved my brother and saved my dad. And I just declare that that's your character, that's your plan. You know, that's just the love that you have for my family. And you promised me. So I just declare that it'll come soon. It'll come fast. You know, I declare my mom's salvation today. And then it's been for a long time that I've been praying like this. But I can do this because I'm confident in the testimony of God that's already in my life. Um, So it's important to remember. It's important to remember. And another thing I want to say is that, say, okay, I just met God, I just met Jesus, so I don't have testimonies to stand upon, right? But I want to tell you that even before you knew the Lord, He's been working in your life. And He's been there with you. And that's why you were able to come and meet the Lord, because He was already at work before you even knew it, right? Because um, the way another way, other than this awesome movie, Another way that really helped me to have that confidence in the love of God was through, actually, my husband, John Michael, when he was only my leader and my mentor. Because, you know, growing up with the abusive father figure, and my stepdad was actually, you know, also not that loving either. So growing up with such skewed image of father figure, it was hard for me to understand what it meant when people are like, God loves you because he's a father. I'm like, well, my father didn't love me. <laughs> my father didn't show me his love and affection. So I didn't I couldn't grasp that. I grasped that. I'm like, I don't know what that means. So when it would come off like, "Hey, your dad your father, your God is your father." I actually felt a little like, no. You know? But the way John Michael was loving on me, he was loving on me as a spiritual father figure and you know, normally when I would make a mistake and be yelled at by my dad, but John Michael was there to tell me, it's okay. It's okay. He was being patient with me. And he was also not telling me, like, hey, believe in Jesus, believe in Jesus, believe in Jesus, enforcing his ways, but he was patient and was not on enforcing his ways, which is also another character of love. Right? So through all these actions that John Michael was showing me, I could sense Wow, Father's love is something like this. This is what Father's love is like. So I know it's weird talking about my <laughs> husband as a father figure, but he was. And now, the thing is, uh, a cool revelation that he shared with me recently is, I'll be honest, sometimes it's still hard for me to break free, like completely out of that, uh, I guess, my memory of my father's. So sometimes... You know, it would kind of overlap, and i have to fight through it. No, God is not like that. And this is what all of us have to do. If you ever grew up with a distorted father figure image, you have to declare over yourself that God is not that father. And that's a lie, that my father is abusive, my father doesn't love me. That's a lie. But my, I just renounce the lie that God is abusive, and I declare that he is loving. He is caring. That's the truth of God, Right? You know, we, I think enemy tries to bog it with these false images of God, but that is not true. So, how did I get into this? <laughs> yeah. So God as a Father—that's how I got to um, meet uh, Jesus, and um, and the cool revelation. The cool revelation. There you go. He shared with me was, "Hey, you know, since we are married." you are actually supposed to see the image of a father or image of God through me. And that made me, it's so easier for me, like so much easier for me to understand what it's like to be loved in the right way. And, you know, Jesus says that we're the bride of Christ and he's the groom. And sometimes we're like, well, what does it mean? And especially if you're not married, like, well, you know, I guess it's just like having a wedding, you know? But have you ever been pursued by someone that you feel so like, wow, oh, this is true love. Even if it was like, you know, like your Emmaus staff leader, they pursue you, man. They just go after you with their love and pour upon you their love because they want to share that love with you. But have you ever been pursued in a way that's like, this is undeniable that this is the love of God? Right? And the way. You know, I know Korean dramas all, like, skew up the image of love and definition of love and make it all look, like, obsessive and stalkerish and, like, witchcraft. I don't know. It's, like, all these scary moms telling you not to marry, you know, like. But that's not true image of love. True image of love, even romantic love. Ah, it's kind of (laughs) embarrassing to say this, but look at our relationship. (laughs) But, you know, like, I am thankful Because this was my biggest prayer and my dream. Growing up in such a hard family, my only prayer and dream for the future was to have a happy marriage and a happy family. And God was so faithful to the T. He was so faithful, and he is. He is. He's blessing our marriage so much. And when you see any uh, healthy married couples, you will know that, wow, Jesus loves me 10,000 times more than he loves the wife. That's how Jesus loves us. Hmm. And um, I want to share, when did I start preaching? What time? What time do we end? Five minutes? Oh my, scandalous (laughs) laugh. I think it sounds more scandalous because of my voice right now. Uh last point I want to share. Where yeah, last point I want to share. Let's go back to Psalm 77. It has the last point. There's a clue on that Psalm. So I want us to look at verses sixteen to twenty. I'm gonna read it again for you. It says, When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed the deep trembled, the clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightning light up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea. Your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. So last, uh, the third point of how to stay confident in the love of God is to declare his character. Declare his character. So in this psalm, towards the end of the psalm, the third part of it that I just read, the psalmist is what is basically doing is he's declaring the character of God, declaring who God really is. God, you're a God who even the waters tremble. You're a God who even the clouds They tremble so they pour out water and skies give forth thunder because they're trembling before you because you are that kind of God, right? Um, So I think um, knowing that character of God, this is very simple, is that he cannot love you. Does that make sense? I know there's double negatives. So it's impossible for him not to love you. That's his character. There's so many names and so many characters of God, but one thing I want you to leave this place with today is that God is a God. God is love. So God and love is one. You cannot separate God and love. No matter what you do. No matter how much mess you mess up or how much you do well, it does not matter. That's the truth that you can stay confident in, because it's just the truth. That God it's impossible for him not to love. It's impossible for him not to love. So I think sometimes for me, the reason why I struggle to receive God's love um, is because I am not confident that I deserve it, or I need to earn it. I feel like I need to earn it, right? Because that's how I was taught growing up. Like you know, I have to do good, otherwise they're not gonna they're gonna yell at me. You know, I have to do certain things to deserve love but that's not true and um the danger of that thinking that way is also if you do deserve if you do get loved you think it's you right so i'm gonna show like a video that's kind of funny because there's an analogy that this uh pastor gives on cats and dogs right (laughs) and kate's really happy right now uh but i want you to just it's a funny video but it's kind of true Because the danger of thinking that I need to earn love is that if God loves you, you think it's you. You think it's because you did well and I'm the best. That's why God loves me. But what happens is when that same person, if she or he feels like you don't deserve it or you messed up, that's when you reject God's love. But that's not true. God's grace and love is that he loves you no matter what you do. And that's kind of like a dog. So I'm gonna have us watch this movie.
1: And dog theology. Who's a cat person here? Hey, you're admitting it, so that's good. But okay. So similar cat, are will sorry dog people, but here's the deal. You get a cat, okay, and you feed the cat. You love the cat. You get the toys for the cat, and all this stuff. And what the cat understands—reminds me. What the cat understands is, wow, this person loves me so much. I must be amazing. <laughs> I must be the most magnificent creature on earth. I'm not a cat person. It's my belief that every cat really wants to kill us. The smaller ones aren't able to. And that's the only thing that separates them from the lions and tigers. And the same desire is in the seed of every cat. But the cat theology is that, you know. God loves us and blesses us and we experience His goodness. And we walk away going, wow, I must be really great. I must be the most special snowflake that ever was. And you know, none of us thought that when we got saved. None of us thought that when we gave our lives to Jesus. It was this desperate point of, wow, God, I can't believe the love of God is available to me. But then we get inoculated. We get used to it. And we start to think, well, I must kind of deserve this. This is kind of just my lot in life is to be loved and adored because I'm so great. But dog theology is different. You love a dog, you go get a dog, and no matter you can have a dog for 16 years, every time you feed the dog and give the dog water, they think you are God incarnate. They think this person loves you so much, they must be the greatest person that ever lived. No matter how much you spoil a dog, they just look at you with these eyes of wonder and amazement. You are amazing. Thank you. That's the dog forever. The dog never, ever learns differently. But The cat is programmed to assume it's about them. And, and the reality is all of us, all of us, when we encounter Jesus, we start out like dogs. We start out just in awe, going, wow. He must be... I remember my own testimony. I read the book of Luke to myself, and I got done, and I was like, if this is true... If this is who God is, he is deserving of everything. He's worth everything.
0: (laughs) So let's all be like dogs. (laughs) No offense to cat people. Uh, But (coughs) I think that says a lot. Um, Yeah, I think that just sums up... uh, I think we want us, I, I want us to really be in that place of, wow, God is so amazing because that's just his character. And um, the reason why I uh, titled this message Confidence in Love is because I was really touched and meditating on this song called Confidence in Love by John Thurlow. Yeah, it's 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 a cute song. The melody is kind of like bouncy, and I was listening to it, and then I found myself being like, because <laughs> it was so, you know, too, it was kind of like <sighs> in my heart because I wanted to let you listen to it, but you can't go home and listen to it because Tina's staring at me. But, <laughs> but the lyrics go, It's okay to believe. Open up and receive. I want you to have confidence in my love. And it goes, it's okay, it's good and right to believe in my love. And then the chorus is what really got me. Stop acting as though you could earn it. I don't love because you deserve it. I love you because that's who I am. Let love win. And and then this is his response. Lord, I know you love me. Yes, I know you love me right here, right now. No one loves you like I do is what God says back to him, right? So, yeah, I want us to really take these three ways of staying confident in love. Uh, And I know um, another thing is I heard that the staff washed the feet of, who did they wash the feet of? Students, everyone seriously man that's a lot of stinky feet (laughs) but i heard that that they they washed your feet and i just want to commend that these staff members they are really laying down everything to love you and that's also another way you can stay confident in the love of god because uh, the first person and only person that has washed my feet the same way was john michael and it was uh, before I went through my healing and deliverance <laughs> session, uh, which is you can learn about healing and deliverance later. But it was, um, yeah, he washed my feet at his house with, along with other um, of my classmates. And I just broke down. And I know a lot of you guys broke down in tears I heard when the staff washed your feet because it's the perfect picture of Jesus Christ coming at your level or lower to wash your feet to lay down all his rights, all the, you know, superior. He's, he's the Lord. He's God. But he came down below your level and washed your feet. And that's the way he loves us. That's the way he will always love us. And that's the way he loves you right now. So what's number one? To know him personally. To know him personally. Two, to remember, to remember his love. And last one? to declare his character. Let me pray. Um, God, you are so amazing. You are more amazing than anything or anybody in this whole world. And I thank you, God, that your love only goes deep as we continue to walk with you. So I just pray blessing over every single student that is in this place and every single staff members and everyone that is in this place that you will mark their lives with your love.